is this it? Is this the season that we get Zion Williamson to play? Is he worth picking in fantasy? We're looking at the entire New Orleans Pelicans team in today's show. So, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So we're here to talk Pelicans. Uh, Going to give you another opportunity to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Hit the uh, hit the entry form down below um, for categories and for points, and stay tuned later on for a uh, a bit of a question. Just a quick little slide on the bowl. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Um, again, twelve division, twelve team divisions, forty games max per week. Extended rosters, slow drafts, 20, 50 bucks entry, $200 payout to everyone who makes the final round of the uh, of the season. Just fill your answers in in that form below and you'll probably get a spot. I hope you get a spot. So, hopefully, actually, just on that, you'll get, there's going to be a raft of invites, I think, being sent out uh, later in the day today for a bunch of the different shows that have already come. So, just be on the lookout for that, we're talking New Orleans Pelicans. So let's talk New Orleans Pelicans right now. How do they look for the upcoming season? They have 45 quality games. Not a bad number, a little on the low side, but it's nothing to say we target or we don't target them in drafts. They've got 13 back-to-backs, which is the lowest in the NBA, equal lowest. So we know that's a pretty good thing because... Guys like Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram have uh, significant injury risks, and I would imagine, especially with Zion, there'll be some caution uh, taken with him in terms of uh, recovery and watching for like injury hotspots and things like that. But playing 13 instead of 15 is a win. It's not a huge difference right across the league, so we're not going to base too many decisions on it. They only have 12 maximum game weeks, so there's only 12 times during the season where they have the most games for the week. That's not fantastic. But it's not the worst either. And their playoff schedule's the same. Like, it's all right without being great. They never max out once during this four-week period. But they go 3-3-4 if you end 24th of March. They go 3-4-3 if you end on the 31st of March. 4-3-4 for the 7th of April. And 3-4-4 to finish on the final week of the regular season. What are the pressure points on this team? Well, it has to be injuries. This is the team that's famously known. They were the number one team in the West around New Year's Day, and that was with Brandon Ingram out, and then Zion went down, and it all went to shit. They didn't make the playoffs. We never saw Zion again after about the fifteenth of January. That's it. If it's not, it's not even as much Ingram. It's if Zion is healthy, this team is good, like top four, good Western Conference Finals, good. And if Ingram stays healthy, they are, you know, championship. Probably not, but pretty high up. But that's it, right? And that impacts everything. They've already copped two injuries this preseason. The camp hasn't even started. So, were they just snake-bitten? Is it bad luck? What the hell is it? I, I don't know. That That's the problem. And it impacts a lot of things because 
if Zion is healthy and Ingram is healthy, and healthy might mean 60 games, then the impact that Valanchunas has and McCullum has and Trey Murphy when he returns has, has to be muted. But if Zion plays 30 games and Ingram plays 40, then Jones and Murphy and Valanchunas and CJ all get significant boosts their value. So really a lot of it, when you're looking at not the top two, is banking on how much the top two play. They just control everything. Because if they're out there, and even like Ingram's value is tied to Zion, it's a trickle-down effect. So it really depends on who's out there as to how the values go, almost more than any other team. I wrote there as a pressure point, like the shooting needs. Trey Murphy's very key. Having shooting, elite shooting, next to Zion is massive. How much does Willie Green lean into it? Because with Murphy out, there's not that many guys that shoot. Ingram's pretty good. You wouldn't call him a shooter. You wouldn't call him a spot-up guy. CJ's pretty good, but that's not really his strength. Like, is Jordan Hawkins ready for that? Or is he just so bad in other areas that they just have to go without shooting and go with Alvarado and Daniels and Jones in more minutes? And that cramps up everything. And then that leads to fuel minutes for Jonas Valanciunas. So how much does Willie Green need the shooting? Or how much does he think he needs it, more to the point? That can really change a lot of things. Because if he's like, I actually need a shooter out there, Jordan Hawkins will play because there's not really many other options. The other pressure point is who works with Zion. Because last season, it was very clear that they did not want to play Valanciunas and Zion together much at all. And that's why we got Larry Nance playing entire fourth quarters and Valanciunas getting 21 minutes a night. How does he feel with Herb Jones? How does it work with Dyson Daniels? Can they actually play with Zion? Or are they just very specific players that you need to fit around your very clear number one option, best player on your team. Like that that's that's the pressure here. We know who theoretically their best players are. And again, this Trey Murphy injury would have really has really thrown a few things off. We know who their best players are, but it doesn't always mean that they fit together in the best way. And you've got to prioritize what makes sense for Zion really. Yeah, then to Ingram and then down to CJ and all that sort of stuff. It, it trickles down, but how Willie Green um, works on that is going to be a really key factor. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash. You love the convenience of getting what you want delivered right to your door. You've done it with food with DoorDash for so long. You've done it with restaurant meals for ages, but now you've got DoorDash grocery delivery. You can stock up for the week or you can order last-minute cravings and get it sent straight to your door. You might be in the middle of preparing a gourmet deal. Gourmet. And you just realize, man, I am totally out of my seasonings. What's your favorite seasoning? Because wherever it is, you can get it delivered from DoorDash Grocery. They go to the grocery store. They pick the items exactly like you would. And in the app, you can see replacements or substitutes if things are out of stock. They get the best local grocery stores to help stimulate and support the local economy as well. And you get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. It's a limited time offer and terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget the code is LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Breakout candidates. Um... I'm going to put Dyson Daniels on here. He's a guy that at the moment I'm not projecting huge things for because I'm worried about you know, how does the shooting look. But with the injuries to both Trey Murphy and to Jose Alvarado, there's a chance that he gets more minutes and maybe the shooting becomes okay. And he significantly outproduces my expectations for him. 
He's got the size. He's really quite big. He's defensively there. He can pass. The shooting and the scoring is the problem. But if he shows an ability to not only hit threes, but take them and for defenses to somewhat respect that, then he's got a chance to replace players like McCullum or Alvarado or even maybe a Herb Jones, depending on what happens with him. Now, Jones is another one I could have put on this breakout candidate list. But I think I think where I've got Jones projected at the moment, it, it is harder for me to see him going much above that. But Daniels, in year two, had a lot of injury issues, again, like so many players on this team in his rookie season. Um, he's like He's young, so we just hope we get these big steps forward. We hope we get good shooting. We hope we get a larger role. That's all possible. It's not likely... But it's all possible. So I really would you know, be not necessarily interested in, in grabbing him or drafting him. But when we're talking flyers, pick 152. don't know why I chose that number specifically. But around that area, like you look at a guy that's got the ability to maybe pop, to maybe do a, a little bit more. Um, and you would have to think that there is, that there is a chance that he, can, that he can exceed. We hope. Maybe. Fingers crossed. We'll have to find out. But that's someone that I'm watching here for Dyson. Like, again, when we look at your projections for him, I've got him well down, like outside the top 200 very clearly. But that's, yeah, playing... Sorry, is he outside... I was looking at the wrong list. Yeah, he's outside the top 200 still. I was right. But I've only got him like at 20 minutes a night because I think they'll give some extra run to Alvarado and Najee Marshall. But he can easily push ahead of those players. And there is scope for him with a rebound, assist, steals, profile, with a little bit of scoring, that he could be more useful for fantasy. It's time to talk about uh, the biggest bird. We're going to go under the lens on Zion Williamson. I'm the biggest bird. I'm the biggest bird. We know the story, a lot of it, with Zion. But I still think, I still think he's underrated. And let me tell you why. Yes, last season was frustrating for so many reasons. His off-season was a disaster in terms of the personal life stuff. Hopefully, he's got a lot of that stuff back on track and it doesn't impact his season. Hopefully, he... Well, there's just too many stories and too many rumors about him not taking things seriously off the court that hopefully he's pulled his head in, right? Not taking rehab serious, diet serious, off-court, extracurricular activities perhaps... We hope that some of that stuff gets reined in. And it does appear that he's at least saying the right things with it. But all of that stuff happened. He was injured. He had all this stuff. And he was not taking care of himself necessarily. He was a 23rd ranked player per game in fantasy points leagues, averaging 43 fantasy points. He was 25th on ESPN. And for head-to-head leagues, when we're talking minus one stuff, 25th. Like 25th, yes, he does not have very good free throw percentage. We know this, but he averaged 26 points, seven rebounds, almost five assists, 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks, 61 from the field on big volume and 71 free uh, percent from the line. Now, the the stuff from the line is not ideal considering how much he gets there. He doesn't hit threes. You, You can recover from that. It's not a terrible number. The defensive numbers, we've been led to believe, not led to believe that the idea is, well, he just doesn't get defensive stats. He was actually okay there. Like 1.1 steals and 0.6 blocks doesn't blow us away. It's not fantastic. But 0.6 blocks is basically average. That's the average number. Yeah, you got the high level guys, but 0.6, 0.7 is about average. 1.1 steals is above average. Like they're not bad. Now at Duke, he was blocking like 
two shots and two steals a game, like insane numbers. And I'm not sure that he ever gets those. But those weren't big detriments. Above average assists. Rebounds, you'd like to be higher. But it wasn't the complete disaster, I think, from a per-game basis anyway, that people necessarily thought it was. You can see there on the graph, he had some weeks where he was playing quite a bit. Multiple 100-minute-plus weeks. And then, of course, innocuously ping the hammy and just never came back. Week 13, that was, and then we never saw him again. He possibly could have been back if they did make it through the plane. He probably could have played in the playing game, I think. But he had a setback in March, and it just went on and on and on. Now, I think that NBA players rush back from hamstring injuries too early. This one definitely goes the other way in that. And you would think that that is just a... A rehab slash diet slash I'm not taking this serious type situation in terms of how long that took. Yes, there was a setback, but that is that's pushing it. Like that's pushing your level of credulity as to whether that is a reasonable expectation. I think that there is still a lot more that we can get out of Zion Williamson. A week there with 25 assists, another week with 22 assists. 17-week assist. And then towards the end, there's some lower 787s. Seven, but I think that he can, like Ingram averaged five and a half and Zion averaged four and a half. Zion really should be able to at least get to Jason Tatum level of assists, at least push past Carl uh, Anthony Towns in terms of assists. Why can't he average assists the way that Giannis did? He, the gravity that this guy brings is almost unmatched. I think there is, and you saw it, like that, it flashed. Like six assists, 25 assists. It, it, I think that the, it really did show where we can get to with him. His field goal percentage is insane. And it's and for a good portion, it's relatively consistent. The last week before he got hurt, 83%. And that's not real, but look how many 70s and 60% weeks. There was one weird 44% week. And one other week where he's at 49. But that's it. Never under 50 in any other week. And he's doing it on such large volume. That is where the value is. But like if, he's, if he can get to 62, 63, when, like that, that is tough, right? But who's stopping him? He was at 60.8. 62, 63 is possible. He's not going to take threes. He's not going to hit him very often. He's just not going to do it. He is able to put up some really big numbers. And what I think you're going to see in this next graph is should be really interesting to you because this is for category leagues. It's minus one total week ranks. Look how many times he was within the top 15 and top 20. Four times for the season out of his 12, well, not even 12. He played like 10 full weeks. There's some bad weeks there, a 200, a 275, the last week where he got injured. There's a 60, but there is four top 25 weeks. Three top 15 weeks. That is... We'll look at him and go, he's a bad category league player. He's a good points league player. I push back on that. I still think there is first round category league upside. Whether he gets there, I don't know. Whether he gets those defensive stats from college, I'm not sure. But peak Zion, 29, 9, 6.5, 1.2, 0.7. Won't hit threes, but does it on 62%. Maybe gets works to 74 from the line. That's a that's top nine, top eight sort of a player, at, at the very least. And in point season, it's probably top five. 
we just have to have that concern about the health. We have to. The DPM change graph is interesting. Obviously, delayed start to his career and then some massive, massive positive improvements. Now, towards the end of 2021, 2020, 2021, he started to move into a slight sort of decline. He hasn't played many games in his career. But last season, we pushed up and he started improving again, got himself back on track, and he's still getting better. And that's why I have faith that he's going to continue to get better. Now, this line here being negative doesn't mean he ever became a negative player. He's always been a positive DPM player. But he started to just sort of wobble on like an S graph instead of a full straight line up. So it sort of wobbled in the middle where there was some like, yeah, what's going on here? But back on track, and I feel okay about him continuing to improve because what, how old is he? 23? He's 23. Now, he might only have a career that lasts till age 31. That, that's possible. But we're still five, six years away from absolute peak. Now, his peak might actually be earlier because of his body type and his game. Maybe it's 27, 28. But there is still plenty for Zion to be able to improve on. This um, basketball index headshot plot is three players. It's LeBron, it's Giannis, and it's Zion. On the x-axis, it's finishing talent in a percentile. And the other one's defense. It's rim contests per 75 possessions percentile. As you will see, on the x-axis, Zion is 100th percentile. The best finisher in the NBA. You can debate it as much as you want. You can debate these numbers, but you can't debate these unbelievable finishing. Basketball Index ranks him as the best, the best finisher in the entire NBA. That's why we look at those percentages. The only way that they ever drop down that field goal percentage if he starts taking six threes a game, which I don't think is going to happen. He cannot be stopped at the rim. He just can't be. Giannis is pretty close. Like He's one of the best finishers. Zion is better. LeBron, still really good. And look at that. That range, 99.7 to 100. It looks spread out, but these are all elite finishers. But when we're talking elite of the elite finishers, Zion is still the best. Anyone that I'd put Giannis and LeBron against for rim finishing, they'd beat by a massive margin. Zion's better. That is why I have confidence in the scoring, why I have confidence in the assist rate increasing through that unbelievable gravity and the field goal percentage staying true. The other one there is rim contesting. Now, Giannis is way up there in terms of rim contest per 75. He's in the 65th percentile in the NBA. I would have liked that to be a little bit higher for, Zion, uh, for Giannis, but as we mentioned, a lot of his defensive focus went away because of offensive stuff. LeBron, at his old age, 50, about 54th percentile here, Zion's below that. That's where there's an issue for me. Is that It's an issue. Is that Why is he just not getting into position to contest shots? Because Valanciunas is not a great rim protector. Yet Larry Nance is pretty good at protecting the rim, like in terms of, but he doesn't contest huge amounts of shots. So there's, I can look at this as a double-edged sword for Zion. Go like, why is he not getting the blocks that he is? Like, why, why that he could? Why is he not contesting shots? And you go, well, that he needs to do that. But you could also look at it and go, well, what if he starts doing it? What if he starts pushing and contesting shots the way that Giannis does, or more, and actually uses some of that presence to be a deterrent? Now, I don't think he's ever going to be an elite shot blocker in the NBA. I think some of his body stuff and injuries might have sapped some of that away. But this is where I go. You know, we're talking of scope between 0.6 blocks and 0.9 blocks. He's not contesting every shot. He's not doing that as much as he... Not possibly, but probably could. And again, it's just all giving me a little bit of hope that we've still got some pretty significant, I think, some pretty significant uprising 
uprising, that sounds weird, uh, coming for Zion in the coming seasons. We hope. But of course, it all is about, can the bloke just not get hurt? And that's that's really the question mark at this point. That doesn't stop me from putting him as a sleeper though. Because fantasy sites, and I believe Yahoo has had another update. I'm going to go through the Yahoo updates in tomorrow's show when we do Monday Movers and look at what ranks change. So be aware of that. But this, I think, it takes into consideration the new Yahoo changes. He's ranked in nine category. Well, Yahoo, so they don't do one. They don't differentiate. 61st. He's got an ADP of 67 on Yahoo. Fantrax got him at 53. ESPN categories ranked him 61. His ADP on ESPN is at 40 and his points league ranks at 27. Now, I wouldn't say that on a points league ranking at 27 on ESPN that he's necessarily a sleeper. He can smash that number. I, the, he, he should smash that number. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a sleeper because that's not taking into consideration enough of the injury risk. But at 67, when I already highlighted for minus one stuff, he was top 25 in category leagues. And Yahoo points at 61 when this is a top, what was he, like 20th last season, 23rd? I think he's probably top 20 this season. You have at that spot, which is the beginning of round six, you've eliminated so much risk. And I love getting him there. Now, if I have to go to 40, I don't. Even though I have fairly strong confidence he's going to beat that number. Per game, he'll smash it. But it's about staying healthy. But when we get into round six, well, who are you picking around that area that legitimately has top 20 or even top 10 upside, especially for points formats? And I would suggest probably nobody. And that's where you got to look at, what did I do early? How risky did I go? Have I got um, you know James Harden and I don't know when he's going to play? Have I got um, Kawhi Leonard that I took in round three? Like I wouldn't want to pair him and Zion together. But if you're going with some more stable guys, maybe it is a Garland or a Mitchell or some guys that are just a little bit more secure, then yeah, like there is so much upside here. It's a little bit of the, everyone was scared to draft Shea last season and look how that turned out. I'm not saying Zion's going to do that, but when they hit, that's how you win. Herb Jones is an interesting one. Now, I am not the biggest Herb Jones believer, and if Trey Murphy hadn't have been hurt, I would think that Murphy would have started or at least taken more minutes away from Jones. But he's not healthy, so Jones is going to have to start. He is in year three, year three, so I'm hoping that there is some improvement coming, but there might not be. But that still is okay. Now, let's get it straight as well. He's not a good points league player, Herb Jones, Yahoo's got him at 125. ESPN's got him at 139. I actually don't think there's sleeper value in either of those spots. His rank on head-to-head on ESPN at 116, I don't think it's necessarily great sleeper. It's not bad, but it's not great sleeper value. But it is when you look at his Yahoo rank at 125 for categories, his ADP at 136, and his Fantrax ADP at 130, and ESPN ADP at 139. Herb Jones should get you pretty good steals. You have to worry that you don't crank those steal numbers up in your valuations. He's going to be a low scorer, but there's going to be more opportunities for him. And when you're talking a round 10 player or round 11 player that you can get here in round 12, round 13, it's, a, it's enough value at least with, you know that if you're getting him at 139 or 136, that if everything just goes normal, he probably beats that number by around, 
let's say two rounds, which is not great, but it's it's good enough. And then there's the chance that what if he does shoot more? What if he does develop playmaking? What if he does take on more usage with Trey not there? Well, then you've got an extra two rounds to get out onto it. So it's hard to see downside in picking him in round 12. And it's all upside, even if it is a round or two rounds, it's all upside. And I'm, again, I'm not the biggest Herb Jones guy. Last season, he was getting drafted in the 70s. And I was like, absolutely not a chance. What are you doing? Do not take him there. This season, he's well down. Go for it. Take him there. Very hard to see that failing. And it's not just a low upside play with the injury to Murphy. There is a little bit of extra something there, perhaps, maybe. We'll see. If you want to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, there is an entry form down below. And you should go and enter that and hit whether it's categories or points or both that you want to do. And you've got to answer this question for me. We're going to talk Zion Williamson. Zion, last season played 29 games. Played 29 games. What did Zion shoot from the free throw line? I didn't notice. He shot 37% from three. Um, free throw line, 71.4. That's all you need to write. Don't put a percentage sign. Just do 71.4 for Zion Williamson free throw percentage last season. Fantasy busts. It's all a little bit relative as always, but I just don't see it for CJ McCollum. He's ranked at 80 on Yahoo, which is okay. He's got an ADP at 85. I'm not really sure that's a bust. And it's not that far off 80, but it is a difference, right? So an ADP of 85 means that maybe I can get him at 88 or 90, and I'm okay with that. But a rank of 80 is like a full round higher than that, and I'm not super into it. But I hate that he's ranked 54th for ESPN points. I hate that he's ranked 76th for ESPN categories. His ADP is at 69. And while that's nice, Giggity. it's also actually not nice at all for fantasy. And Fantrax got him at 72. We know the old reliable CJ McCollum. He's just going to do what he does. Like, But the free throws have disappeared. I worry that him and Ingram and Zion have played like 150 minutes combined together. And we haven't seen CJ as the third offensive option at all. We just haven't seen that happen. And then I worry that when Trey comes back even further, that CJ is just going to be disappearing. Instead of 26 usage, it's 22, 21. And the free throws are still sucking. And maybe he gets a few more assists, but he's bad at uh, defensive stats. And I'm just not doing it at 70. 90? Sure. I'm not losing much there. Because I'm not, he's not losing his starting job. But he's an older player who we haven't seen in that third string offensive role. Injuries, we don't like talking about it, but we do have to because there's three of them or two of them that are important because Trey Murphy has a torn meniscus. Initial report was 10 to 12 weeks, which earliest would suggest mid-November. I'm going to say look for December and then a bit of a ramp-up period for him and who knows, meniscus injuries can be a pain in the ass and it might wipe him out completely as a useful player until January. I have no problem with taking Trey Murphy once you get outside the top 100. You slot him in your IL and we see what happens. Not going hide in that. Had someone, this is really important. Had someone, it's not really important. We're playing fantasy basketball. Come on. Um, that when I was talking about my last mock draft, someone took Trey at 75 and I reacted, went, bloody hell, that's high. What are you doing? Like he's out for weeks. Why are you taking him that high? And someone said, Josh, why would you react that way? Yahoo actually ranked him 22nd last season. And that is where those ranking numbers are incredibly misleading. That's based on totals and it includes turnovers. And that sort of a ranking would suggest that he's a second-round player 
and he isn't, as well as pairing that with how much Zion was missing. Now, Murphy was amazing last season. Towards down the stretch, he was playing like 37 minutes a night. He really had blown up, and I thought he was a real chance to be a top 70 player this season. But that was before he got hurt, and before there was a risk of maybe the first three months of the season where it gets wiped out. That would have been a worry. Over the final 16 games, he averaged 21 points with four threes and one and a half steals on 51 and 89 from the field and line and 45 from three. He's absolutely an elite shooter, and he ramped that volume way up and played a ton of minutes. But he's not hitting 37 minutes with Zion back and coming off knee surgery. It's unlikely that he's scoring 21 points a game. So just be really, really cautious about overvaluing Trey if you're just looking at that Yahoo rank from last season. Jose Alvarado's out with that ankle problem. He should be back to begin the regular season. I'm not really sure where he sits in this team or in their future plans. I would think they would hope that Dyson Daniels can take it over. Alvarado's an okay steel streamer, but that's really about it. And then, of course, there is Zion, who missed so much time last season with his hamstring problem, and we, we just hope that he's available. What could be a trade option? I do think that McCullum would be someone I'd be looking to trade away. I think that Ingram shouldn't be off the table, and of course, they'd love to move on from Valanchunas and get a good replacement. But if I was them, I, I would look to move on from McCullum. I'd look to get someone who's a better passer, a better defender, and probably a little bit more at this point in his career, a little bit more reliable of a shooter. But I'd want to get to shooting back and another point guard that fits and makes sense next to Zion. A defensive guy, maybe. I wouldn't mind even like a Kobe White. Not that he's a defensive guy, but at least he can shoot in space. Probably a little bit more. He doesn't need the ball in his hands quite as much as a CJ. Maybe I'm maybe I'm dreaming on that one. Maybe Cole Anthony. Hmm. But that's who I think could be traded. What about contract year players? Well, the big fella. Jonas Vasilinovsas. I faded him very heavily last season. I was not interested in him at all because I said I just don't think how him and Zion are going to work together. And that was 100% correct. And we saw him playing like 21, 22 minutes a night in the games where Zion was healthy. And then down the stretch of the season, he started playing more. Like got to 26 minutes a night over the final month, averaged 14 and 12 with 1.3 blocks, elite percentages, top 50 fantasy guy. He... I thought that some of the rankings would have pushed him higher than where he is because he's ranked currently at 113 on Yahoo. And I actually think that's good value for Valentinus. Even if he doesn't play 30 minutes, and he won't, but if we've got injury risks with Zion, with Ingram, the floor is probably 21-22 for Jonas. And he still can be very good if he gets the minutes. And when you're picking him at that spot, there's something in it. Najee Marshall's an unrestricted free agent. He has a chance to take Trey Murphy's minutes, but I just don't think that Najee's a particularly good fantasy player. He struggles with his shot. He's not a defensive stats guy. He probably needs Ingram and Zion to also be out before I'd really even consider using him. So he's not a draftable player in 12-team leagues. He's an unrestricted free agent coming up. Cody Zeller, they signed to replace Billy Hernan Gomez and Jackson Hayes. But at this spot, we'd expect him to be third string behind Valanchunas and Nance. And then there's Kyra Lewis as a restricted free agent who we've just never seen. Now, I was super high on Kyra Lewis in his draft, and I've been super wrong on it, very clearly. I just thought that sort of speed, the De'Aaron Fox mold of point guard, Ja Morant mold of point guard, had success. And Lewis was unbelievably fast. He struggled with the shot, and then he tore his ACL. I thought he played okay when he came back last season, but... Where he goes from here or how they use him, I don't know. I would love if Kyra Lewis in year four 
year three, really, because he's missed basically a whole year. If he was able to come back and challenge and take minutes from Alvarado or from Dyson Daniels and work into a usable 37% three-point shooter, you, he could be a, he's a very good passer as well. I'm not out on Kyron. I'm going to talk about him a little bit later on as well. What are the rotation risks? Well, the Nance and Valanciunas thing, because Nance might play 23, and then he's useful for certain fantasy builds and categories. Or they might decide that yeah, maybe Jonas and Zion can play more together. That's a real mess situation. I would love if Zion would contest more shots and they just play him at center and get Trey, Herb, Ingram out there next to him. But I don't think they're going to do that. But that center rotation is a very risky thing. Daniels, like I said, I think he's going to get more of an opportunity to play early on. But what if the shooting isn't there? Does Jordan Hawkins play? Do not draft Jordan Hawkins. I don't think he's NBA ready. I don't think he's a very... I don't think he's a very good NBA prospect. I think he can shoot a little bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's worse Corey Kispert. But if shooting Daniels' shooting isn't there, then you can't really play him with Zion and even Alvarado and Jones. I don't think you can do it. And the other thing is, when does Trey Murphy return? Again, worth drafting late, slotting an IL. But I don't think you get full strength Trey, maybe Christmas would be my guess. And those meniscus injuries can be a little bit troublesome. Permanent Monsters, well, if Valanciunas plays 32 minutes a night, he's a top 50, top 35 player still. He could average 16 and 13 with 1.4 blocks, a 3, 55 and 85. Like, he's unbelievably good, stats-wise. The problem is, is he's so slow. He's so, he struggles so much defensively, and you can't really pair him with Zion. And the other one who does have very good permanent numbers is Kyra Lewis. So if you're talking about acquiring someone in a dynasty format, now might be the time. It might never work out. But it's year four. There's opportunities abounding. And at some point, they've got to see if he can do anything. Maybe he can't. But he does have very interesting statistical profiles. The depth chart. CJ is going to start as a guard. And then there's Alvarado, Daniels, Lewis, and Jordan Hawkins as the other guards. Again, we watch Daniels and see maybe there's a chance early in the season for him to have value. In terms of wings, I've got Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram as the wings there. Jones... Fine. I haven't even really talked much about Ingram. I just think he's fine. He's sort of that guy in the 50s to 60s who has an injury risk, which should push him down a little bit. And I think there are there's a risk that he's maybe being overdrafted in some spots. He's got a rank of 49 on Yahoo and 48 on ESPN, which is about sort of bang on per game value for him. But he has that significant risk of injury as well with his lower body. He's had multiple issues. And... I'm not ready to invest at him at basically peak. And the problem there also is if Zion does stay healthy, well, Ingram will suffer. And we saw how much he struggled when he wasn't like a primary guy for Team USA. It won't be the same for New Orleans, but there were some struggles. Um, backup wings, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Darian Sebron, and Kaiser Gates, who they just signed to a two-way. I thought Murphy would start over Herb Jones just to give that spacing, but I'm not sure he's hitting 30 until January, as, I, as I've said multiple times. I don't think they've got a traditional real forward. I guess you could say Zion's a forward, but I think he's more of a big. You don't want him ever playing at the three. Ingram, you could say, is a forward, but I also think he fits as a two, which makes him more of a wing to me. Um, the only real forward on this team is Liddell. But of course, Ingram, Murphy, Jones, Zion can all occupy those forward spots. But I think ideally, I wouldn't just say they are strictly three fours because Murphy and Jones can play the two. Ingram can play the two. Zion's more of a four five to me. So I'm not going to just class them as four. It doesn't matter. Liddell's a guy who 
was drafted last season to his ACL, never played to his ACL in Summer League. They put him on a two-way and then assigned him to a full-time contract. Really good numbers at Ohio State. Think of the numbers. I know this is a lazy comparison because they both went to Ohio State, but Kata Bates-Diop put up some very interesting numbers at Ohio State. I thought Liddell should have been a top 20 player in that draft. Um, not thinking he's going to play necessarily, but with Murphy out, maybe. Just watch Liddell. He's an interesting guy. And then for the big, Zion and Valanciunas should start. And then Larry Nance and Cody Zeller coming off the bench with Nance probably getting equivalent minutes to Valanciunas if, of course, Larry can stay healthy. In terms of Durant and Bazemore, Durant actually bumps CJ a little bit versus regular metrics. That's something to watch. Larry Nance gets a bump and Valanciunas actually gets a drop. So while I'm totally fine with drafting Valanciunas at 100, um, Durant didn't like him as much. In terms of Bazemore, it's got Zion, top 25. And as soon as Zion actually strings together more games, that'll bump him way up. Because one of the factors in Bazemore, uh, it's a smaller factor, but one of the factors in there is um, EPM wins, which is a total base number. So you've got to play games to actually get in there. Trey Murphy's in the top 75. Herb Jones in the top 90, which I was a little bit surprised to see that, but he does have some good advanced numbers. Dyson Daniels in the top 160, but Jordan Hawkins outside the top 240. Rookies are always going to be a little bit weird because we don't have any history of them playing in the NBA. So it's hard to get a full basis on that. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. You thumb it up and you leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. So yeah.